You're listening to the Frio 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 Music Podcast. To the Frio Music Podcast. You are listening to Frio Music. Welcome back to the Frio Music Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Drew Wood, aka Bioluminescent. During the conversation, we discuss his latest project, Bioluminescent. He's previously been releasing music under the name of Morris Code, and we will talk about the change of name and why he decided to, to move forward under this new brand. Beyond that, he's actually got a few more works coming out under different names, and you'll get an exclusive preview on this episode. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hi, this is Bioluminescent, and you are listening to the Frio Music Podcast. Andrew Wood and I am bioluminescent. I am based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I play basically anywhere that I can. I've had a couple of shows actually in Colorado, so I'm hoping to get out there once I am able to again. Have a very nice local crowd here. Um, always looking to expand that in any direction I can. And uh, are you from Kentucky? I am. Yeah, that is okay. where I was born and raised. Um, I moved all over the place, multiple locations, but uh, that's where I'm at again. Well, Tennessee, but it's uh, where I'm at for now before our grand move to Ecuador. <laughs> nice, nice. And what, uh, what inspired that move? Um, when we went there two years ago, uh, that is where I wrote my album, The Awakening. And it was just a great influence a wonderful place to write music excellent people a very very good international community and there's just artists everywhere actually um lots of really good people to collab with and learn things and it was just a really wonderful experience and my wife has quite a few business connections down there so it's kind of personal and business okay yeah we really love it down there. It's got a perfect climate. It's just spring-like year-round. Uh, it's got a year-round growing season, so uh, the leaves never fall off, so that's always great. <laughs> yeah. When you were there the first time, were you vacationing? Was she on work? It was both. Uh, I was vacationing, writing music, and hiking uh, while she was working and doing uh, seminars and Stuff like that. Nice. How long were you guys there? Or how long did it take you to bang out that album? Uh, I had already started working on it a couple of months before I left. I had lots of things in place, but I actually started plugging it all into the doll 
And uh, I finished, I think, six of the tracks while I was there. So I, I did about half of the album while I was down there. All right. And when, when you said plugging it in, mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean? Like, were, were they written in your head? Did you have riffs? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or did you have something external? Um, I tend to write my ideas down just as kind of like as a rough draft before I dive in sometimes, if I have the time. Um, and then I'll plan out which VSTs I would like to use before I start the project. Um, sometimes, you know, it just kind of depends on the feel. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a very fun experience. Nice. And just for anybody listening who might not be familiar with VSTs, can you give us a quick rundown? Yeah, just virtual synthesizers. Um, I use a giant array of them. I'm a really big fan of native instruments. Uh, you know, there, there's a whole giant list of them I love to use. Cool. Uh, I'm interested in like top, you know, handful, top, top three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I love Analog Lab 3. Uh, it's by Arturia. It's just absolutely full of sounds it's got over 6,000 presets with like synths pianos organs basses pads sequences and arps you know all of the above everything um so that's one of my go-to's another go-to for beat making would be battery four uh it's a native instruments vst it's absolutely huge it's got really excellent 808s snares hats etc all of the above um Contact, that's a really good one for writing synth lines. I really like using Contact. Uh, Massive X is my new favorite. Uh, it just came out last year. And I love Massive to begin with, but the new Massive X just is completely next level. Uh, I've been using it to write most of my new main bass lines. Uh, like the main bass line from the track In Space. Um, I wrote that in there. I was actually flying over Colorado whenever I, I, I made that baseline. It was really, really fun and inspiring just to be able to look out the airplane window and, you know, pull the feel from it. <laughs> So when, when you're kind of approaching a track and you think that you're going to pull from Massive X, um, do you, like, if, you know, one of them you mentioned had like 600 presets, do you kind of have an internal catalog? Like, you, you know that, like, in a range, these kind of sounds float around? or I've got some favorites that are already pulled up, but it's kind of just free range. I just go for the sound that I am imagining in my head. So I just kind of flip through the presets and tweak them as I go along. Um, it's just kind of a feel through thing. Yeah. So you already have the uh, idea or the sound in your mind. And then the job is just finding the closest preset and then tweaking it to, to get closer. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. That's, that's how it works best for me. Yeah. 
Cool. And uh, when, you know, when you were younger getting going, was there more of an exploration? Like, I wonder what in the world this sounds like, or what could I do with this sound? I mean, this is wild. Yeah, there was lots of moments like that. Um, I first started playing piano whenever I was six. Uh, My parents got me this Casio keyboard and I just really dived in. It was wonderful. Uh, Probably one of the best things they ever bought for me when I was a kid. And then once I started learning the keys and the, the scales and, you know, all the notes, everything. Um, I started writing my own little tunes around seven ish, something like that. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty, I was, I was fortunate. I had a pretty early start with music. And, uh, then after that, I moved into choir for a couple of years that taught me a whole bunch. Uh, it taught me a lot about pitch and vibrato and all of the above there. Um, then shortly after that, my sister started playing trumpet in high school and it just completely fascinated me. It showed me a whole different level of music that I hadn't even really thought about yet. So that helped me really roll things together. And I started messing around with her trumpet and she moved on to French horn eventually. So I inherited this awesome nice trumpet and uh, I got really good at it and they invited me to play with the middle school band when I was in fifth grade. Um, so I started with them and then I dove into honors band and all district state. Uh, I joined the marching band whenever I was in seventh grade. Uh, so nice. Yeah, it was so, really fun. Uh, Let's uh, rewind it even maybe before that uh, when you were six and you got that uh, piano. Um, tell me about your first musical memory. First musical memory. Oh, man, Green Sleeves. <laughs> you know that tune, Green Sleeves? No. Anyway, I just, it was uh, really fun learning how to play that, just picking through it as a kid. That's probably one of my first musical memories. And... Uh, even before that, like before you were creating, did did anything like stick out like melodies or moments? Um, classical always stuck out to me. I really have always loved Bach just because it's so complex. Um, was that playing in your house? I assume your um, parents or do you have older siblings? Yeah, my sister used to listen to some classical mainly whenever she was studying and things. My parents... Uh, we're more into rock, so I got some really good rock influence over the years from them. Uh, but musically, um, I was kind of on my own other than, you know, my sister helping show me things. My grandparents, they actually did help me some too. They used to tour uh, around the country uh, doing their musical ventures. Uh, to the present day, I, I think it's, certainly worth bringing up uh, everything that's happening with coronavirus. I'm curious how that's affected your day-to-day. Well, it completely shut down all live shows, obviously. Um, Started doing some live streams to try to make up from that, and that was an interesting venture. Um, Production-wise, everything pretty much came to a halt. I lost most of my customers. 
Um, and it's not just me like that. It seems that almost every artist that I've talked to has went to close to the same scenario. And when you say you lost your customers, were, were artists coming to you for, uh, to produce their tracks? or I do audio editing for certain people that do podcasts or uh, some people would need music for their intro or an outro, just like a jingle yeah. or something. So I make things like that for people. And then I do have options uh, for people to work with me uh, on you know, beats or exclusives or all of the above in that way. Nice. Well, if anybody listening is interested in reaching out, where should they be reaching out to you if, if they yeah. want a jingle? If you're interested, I would be happy to hear from you. Uh, just give me a shout at bioluminescentmusic at gmail.com or you can look me up at bioluminescentmusic.com. Cool. Cool. Yeah, well, I just you. did. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, since we're we're on the topic, I felt like it was pretty relevant there. Yeah. Um, and who knows who's listening? So uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a, such a worldwide phenomena. And I, you know, since we've been alive, we've never experienced anything like it. And, and right. the, the global nature of everybody traveling, you know, with airplanes and stuff like in the Spanish yeah. flu days, people it's weren't traveling everything. as much. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it, I mean, it's just amazing how quickly it, the ripple effect for lack of a better term or the spread for sure, all the closures, um, it, uh, certainly interesting. So it was a very interesting thing to watch. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it still is, it's still going. So yeah. No, yeah. Especially in America, I think, uh, other places are starting to open up and I know Colorado's trying to start opening slowly, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but um, I was I was looking at playing a show in uh, Crestone later this year, but I don't think that's actually an option at the moment due to you know changes currently. <laughs> yeah, gatherings. You're not allowed to gather. You can't. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting times. Um, so tell me about how you were doing online streams. Uh, I'm just curious. What platform were you using? What did you discover? What struggles? Uh, what I victories? started with. Started with Twitch, did that for a little bit, um, ran into some issues with streams because of their system just flags all sorts of things. And I've ran into problems on YouTube before where I'm playing my own original music, but yeah, it'll get flag you for copywriting <laughs> right. yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay guys, this is mine. Can I please play this? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's happened a couple of times, Interesting, uh, but mainly Twitch and YouTube. Okay. And Twitch, similar issue with the flagging? or Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, at least your music's copyrighted and uh, floating out there. All the platforms are aware of it. Floating along. Yeah. <laughs> um, but man, that's, I wonder, that's an interesting uh, situation. I, I'm sure you're not the only one who's had to deal with that. No, so. there's, there's multiples and there's other... I don't know if you would call it funny, but there's other scenarios that are interesting where uh, I've had previous releases with record labels. And since it's under their copyright, I'm not allowed to use it because it's under their copyright. So it gets flagged. <laughs> interesting. Even though it's mine. So anyway, 
bad record label experiences in the past can come back to haunt you. So beware artists out there that are new and coming into this. Always do your research. Nice. And uh, what, you know, in particular, if a new artist is doing research, what should they be looking for, looking out for? Um, always try to meet with someone on the phone, at least. If you can do in person, that's wonderful. Uh, try to stay away from signing with a label that's, you know, 4,000 miles away across the world. Try to stay as local as you can until you find the opportunity to expand properly. Nice. That would be my advice. And so how did you land at Abandoned Building Records? Uh, that was a wonderful coincidence there. Um, so I played a show in Crestone, Colorado last year. Uh, beautiful little mountain town, very spiritually oriented place. Just really, really great vibes overall. And I played a show at the Cloud Station and um, passed out some CDs and it happened to get in the right hands of uh, my friend Matt, and he was interested. So we started talking back and forth. And then after, I'd say almost about 10 months, they decided to add me on and start releasing. So here I am. Nice, nice. So just being in the right place, but you right were prepared. Place, right time. Yeah. You had the CDs, you had everything recorded, you had demos to give out. Right. So uh, I, I forget who said it. So I don't want to make it up, but somebody once said, and I think it's wise words, <laughs> that chance favors the prepared. So were there any major, uh, let's say other than that situation, uh, any major turning points in your career or life that led you towards the music path? Multiple. Yeah. Um, I'd say the biggest turning point for music wise uh, was whenever I discovered FL Studio 8 in late 2008, I had always felt limited by my musical creations before that. I didn't even know what a doll was. I loved electronic music because I've always been just a giant fan of electronic music. I just completely ate that shit up. So anyway, but being able to sit down and just plug in whatever I wanted inside of a doll was absolutely life-changing. Um, so from 2008 onward, I just got lost for years, just creating track after track. Uh, so that was the biggest life-changing moment for me. Uh, then I came across Ableton shortly after that, started messing around with it. Um, that was yet another life-changing thing. I uh, started DJing in 2010. Uh, that's still its own category uh that's its own musical venture there i'm still learning every single day about that um i'm learning cdjs now and uh, i've been fortunate enough to get a pioneer ddj 1000 that i work on pretty much every day so i'm, I'm always learning in that venture uh but more recently i would say biggest changes would be starting this new label uh well joining this label yeah 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 that's that's definitely the biggest positive change as of late nice uh it's always good to have positive changes in recent history so uh yeah. that's that's 
upward trajectory. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before t- uh, 2008, before you got your hands on FL Studio, uh, what were you using and what uh, electronic artists inspired you before then? Um, so I, before 2008, I played piano, trumpet, French horn, trombone, baritone, drums, and sang. I did a couple of rock bands, just we sucked. You know, it was yeah. not good music, but it was fun. It was learning experiences. Um, were you recording at that time? No, we, we were just okay. messing just around. Like- yeah, we only played a couple of shows. It was nothing really, really serious. Um, but some of my biggest musical electronic experiences or influences back then, uh, let's see. So I first really heard electronic music for the first time uh when i was around 10 i guess my mom was really big into running and jogging and she got some cassettes that had like darude sandstorm and oh that's uh, a great one you know uh better off alone alice dj stuff like that you know that was kind of the start i was always interested in that and then when i got into high school i started discovering daft punk and after i started exploring more after daft punk i i think it was around 2006 2007 i really started finding artists that i still draw influence from like dead mouse or well even boards of canada that's that's a huge influence right there or Benny Benassi, that was another earlier one that was yeah. pretty influential. Uh, and then in 2008, I randomly heard Bass Nectar for the first time. And that was just completely life-changing, uh, as you you know hear from so many other people. But it really was, you know, it was like, what is this kind of music? And it just drove me to pick pieces of music like that apart and try to recreate it. Uh, so that, that was a, that was definitely a life-changing moment there. Nice. Yeah. For me, uh, my first bass nectar track that I heard, it was also, I think in high school and it was laughter crescendo <laughs> and, uh, it was just, it, it raises more questions yeah. you know, than it, uh, it, it's interesting. And all right, another going off on my own experience, another early electronic artist I saw was sound tribe. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I went to a J five show, Jurassic five yeah. and sound tribe headlined it. Jurassic five. I think they co-headlined it, but Jurassic five was on first at red rocks and then sound tribe came on. I was so weirded out. I was waiting for the vocalist <laughs> to come on, just waiting and waiting. And the whole set went by and I was like, Oh my God, there's not a single theory. <laughs> like what, what is this? How do, how do you make music around not vocals. And so it was just like, you know, uh, just interesting yeah. ideas, uh, sonically that, that, uh, electronic music yields. So kind of following along those lines, how do you choose, uh, like your samples or sounds? Um, how do you kind of, uh, decide what textures make the cut? What textures make the cut? Um, it really depends on the feel. Sometimes you'll go for a more harsh synth line that's really gritty. Uh, 
but if you're writing something ambient, you know, you're going to go for really smooth melodic soundscapes. So it really just depends on what type of vibe you're going for. Um, sometimes uh, I will dive into my wonderful splice collection. Thank you splice, but I try not to use it very often, but anyway, that can give you a good start. If you're struggling to find a melody to start with or something, uh, just go through that and, use one sample and then build off of it with the rest being original. That's a fun thing to do. It gives you lots of ideas. Um, sometimes you don't even start with that at all. And you start with the beat and just build the beat up and build everything around that. It, it really just depends on the track. Fair enough. Uh, so in one of your tracks, um, you, you have some astronaut I think that they're astronauts, uh, an astronaut sample. Yeah. And uh, how did you arrive there? Um, I discovered the NASA sample pack that is in the open library. And I used some samples from the Apollo 16 mission. Um, and I used it in the track Godspeed, which is the intro yeah. to the album, The Awakening. And then I used it on the outro. Um, and space is just the ultimate inspiration for me because it's limitless. So uh, I like incorporating as much of that into my tracks as I can. And I have lots of unreleased tracks that go on similar vibes as that also. Cool. So I, I think that brings us nicely to your latest album, In Space. In Space. So yeah. uh, obviously you're inspired by space. Um, where did you create it? Was it uh, in your... That was your created place? here at home. Um, it kind of started with just this cheesy little sample I found off of Splice. The year 2020. Um, <laughs> the moon has been colonized. Uh, anyway, that was just kind of the start of the idea and just rolled with it. Nice. It's, it's really fun to just come up with little cheesy ideas and see what happens. <laughs> and then yeah. an entire EP formed around it. So, uh, I wrote some of the bass lines while I was out traveling. I uh, wrote some of it while I was in Montana. I wrote some of it while I was in Tennessee. Some of it while I was in the Smoky Mountains. Um, Were you traveling for music? Just for pleasure, basically. Going okay. out, having some adventures, and writing music when I can in the middle. Nice. And then visiting family as well. I've got family up in Montana. And uh, over in Washington State, we go over there when we can. So I want to rewind backwards again and kind of talk about when you first started, like, branding yourself. How did you come up with Bioluminescent? Uh, Bioluminescent is actually my second project. Um, I started that in 2017. And uh, currently I've released 45 tracks or so, something like that. Underneath Bioluminescent, um, I've still got at least 30 unreleased tracks at the moment. So there's a lot to come. Uh, but previously I released as Morris Code 
from 2008 to 2016. Um, that was a really fun venture. I released on seven or eight different small labels. Uh, I released over a hundred tracks as Morris code. Um, I eventually stopped because of some other person. I took a few years off uh, between 2013 and 2000, you know, 2016. I uh, had uh, two wonderful daughters and I was working really, really hard to do the best for my family as I could during that time. So I kind of put music on the back burner for a few years. I released maybe 15 tracks during those couple of years. And also during that time, there was another Morris Code artist that popped up in LA. And uh, I uh, had just got back into the scene. I'm like, all right, I'm going to dive back in. And uh, I released something in late 2016. And this guy contacts me. He's like, hey, you're going to have to take that down and change your name or I'm going to sue you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I had to uh, completely restructure everything. That's, that's what was the nail in the coffin for that project. But I'm glad it happened because it motivated me to uh, really come up with new ideas and restructure everything from the ground up just go grassroots. And that is where bioluminescence started. Great, great. Uh, you know, that's a bummer. I've, I've actually heard that happen to multiple artists now uh, in regards to having same branding and then there becomes, you know, legal threats. But yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, great that you decided that you had already released a lot of track hundred you said a hundred tracks under that yeah, name around that yeah and and so you already had a huge body of work was it nerve-wracking to like cut ties with that brand and and start fresh it was it was um shattering you know yeah. it was completely detrimental for a while uh i didn't know what to do uh, I felt like I'd completely lost myself for a couple of months, but I dragged myself out and just realized that I needed to take it one day at a time and just do the best I could and go from there. I'm just trying to dive into that mentality and because I think a lot of people face challenges and they're like, this is, it's over. Yeah. Uh, right. But you were able to break through. Um, Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take? Uh, three years. It took me three years to finally fully get confident uh, with that change. Well, I'd say more like two. Uh, the last year has been really, really amazing. And I'm I'm feeling really supported and uh, comfortable with the direction that I'm heading. Um, and I just want to say thank you to anyone that has listened, because it could not be done without you. It is absolutely essential. And thank you, because this is my life. And I appreciate you so much. So that's awesome. And, and that older music, that's still there, you know, yeah, like it's, yeah, it's, still it's not there. going yeah. anywhere. Uh, it's still part of your history. And, um, so it, it's like a new chapter uh, is how I see it. Right. Um, so what, was there anybody, anything, any mental breakthrough that helped you like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to just take a left turn or right turn. Yeah. Um, mainly just stay true to yourself. I started writing music mainly because I find it 
difficult sometimes to work with other artists live and just practicing and you know it's like oh these two people can show up to practice today but these two can't and then you have to postpone so i found it better just to produce things on my own um so just stay true to yourself don't get discouraged um always do your best keep moving forward um nice that's solid advice so when when you're working with yourself um you know when you're decide to jump onto a new track uh what is your creative process like you know how is there a rough timeline that you're aiming to achieve is there like a typical process totally different each time it's totally different each time sometimes you'll sit down and you can bang out a track in like four hours and then sometimes you're going to be on the same track for four weeks Uh, (laughs) it just really depends do you bounce around tracks like yeah stuck and then all right, just yeah. open up a new project. Yeah, sometimes I'll get stuck about halfway through and uh, I'll just have to leave it and come back a couple of days later. Yeah, that happens pretty often. Uh, sometimes I can just completely finish a track in one sitting, but um, I always find it best to kind of sleep on it and come back and redo things, just check everything. And um, I always remaster things at least two or three different times. Um, there's a whole different process for that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, let's let's dive into your mastering process a little bit. So, with a normal track, there's lots of different. Uh, sorry, a normal song. There's lots of different tracks. Uh, do you kind of bounce that into a single wave file and master it that way? How do you how do you work with master? I try to equalize and master things individually, and then export and import back into uh, isotope ozone 8 that's kind of my go-to for mastering at the moment but there's lots of other things i use also but uh that's where i'll do my overall final mastering Uh, but yeah i I try to do everything i can in individual tracks before i export anything that makes sense um so uh i i been listening to your tracks and i noticed that uh some some people call it ducking some people call it side chaining yeah uh do you use that technique frequently i do but i need to do it more often um it's always good to side chain what you can and make everything you can just as crisp and clear as possible uh but sometimes honestly if you're just going for the complete feel of a track, sometimes mastering it in that way kind of ruins it and it takes away the feel. So it also kind of goes back to, it just depends on what type of vibe you're going for and the feel of the track. And, you know, somebody who might not fully be aware of what that concept is, um, like when do you think it makes the most sense to use and what do you use it with and what do you reference the side chain too. Hmm. Um, always base it around your kicks. Um, if you don't have a solid baseline, then it's just going to be muddy. Um, 
always try to make your mids and baseline as crisp and clean as you can. And that's something I work on every day. You know, I'm always learning. Um, it's quite the technique. Uh, but yeah, just always focus on getting it as clear as you can, but without compromising your, your own unique sound, you know, you don't want to lose yourself in the mix basically. <laughs> nice. Um, so when are you most productive? Do you typically work throughout the night? I know you have kids. Are you daytime? Are you pretty consistent? Do you work in like spurts? Uh, I tend to work in spurts. I am very lucky and have very good childcare. And so I get two days, one week and four days the next week to work on projects. So I get about 12 days per month to work on music just in that time alone. But I'm bouncing back and forth when I can, like, you know, say I get an idea while I'm cooking or something, take a pause, go plug it in, go plug in what you can without actually burning your food and come back and, and you know, go back and finish it later. Um, yeah, it's really random. Um, sometimes you'll just wake up and you have to get up and go do that baseline. You know, it just, it just depends. It's very random. So what do you do on the rest of your month? If, if roughly, you know, half the month or so. Yeah. Um, so, I live on a small farm, so there's always lots to do. Um, here lately, I have been renovating the house, doing uh, painting, replacing floors, putting in new walls, all of the above there. Um, outside, there's always trees to cut. <laughs> Things fall all the time here. Um, we have uh, some nice chickens and horses that we take care of. Um, they're really good for the kids. They really love them. Uh, so yeah, there's always lots to do around here when I'm not doing music. Nice. So on a day that is like a music on day and you show up and like, how do you, cause some people say, well, I'm not inspired, so I'm going to wait. Mm. Uh, so how do you kind of bring it out of yourself on your on days? just do it, man. <laughs> um, if you're, if you don't feel inspired, just try to write anyway. You know, even if you don't feel inspired, go find a sample to try to get an idea from and then recreate it. Don't use the sample, you know, if, if you don't have to, but just try to find your inspiration wherever you can. Um, some people, myself included, go on a walk, listen to nature, you know, pull your ideas from your surroundings, just take in as much as you can and uh, try to go with that idea. Great advice. And, and so speaking of nature, uh, you, you've been traveling around, you make music on the move, you make music in different countries. Uh, what is it about travel that perhaps is inspiring or that you draw from musically? I guess it's the new experiences really that kind of inspires me the most. Um, just staying in the moment really helps. And uh, it's interesting. Whenever I lived in Washington, it really gave me a different feel. Like if you go on a hike in Washington, you're going to get a completely different feel than if you go on a hike in 
you know, the Smoky Mountains or something in Tennessee. So uh, it's really interesting how your location can give you the different ideas and influences. Um, so, and the same thing with Ecuador, that was another completely different experience. And it's really hard to pinpoint and describe. Um, it's just a feel thing. Are you ever sampling nature? Yeah. 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 I do sample nature whenever I can. I've got lots of unreleased tracks that has some more ambient, uh, melodic nature influence styles. Yeah. When do you know that a track is finished? When are you like that? Never. The last? <laughs> like, okay. uh, yeah. I'll have something done and then be like, ah, oh, shit, dude, I got to go back and fix that. Like three months later, you but, just hear like a minor <laughs> tweak. Yeah. My, my uh, just get it as good as you can get it to that 90% mark. And just when you're, you're never going to be completely happy with a track. Just, do the best you can. I never am anyway. Some people are probably different, but every time I do one, I'll come back and have another idea a couple of weeks later or something. Be like, oh, I wish I'd have, you know, mastered this slightly different or, you know, that that's normal. Uh, so some of your songs, I you know, my description of it, some of your songs have like a lighter touch, uh, incline, and I don't know how to say this word, but bosk. Oh, Basque, yeah. Basque. other songs of yours uh are like heavy and aggressive and i would say fierce and and like no sleep comes to mind yeah uh, right that. kids who get high repeatedly don't want to come down so how how do you approach such like contrast in energy or feel? Do you go into the song? Is it a, is it internal feeling when you approach uh, your creation process? I really try to incorporate emotions into my music. So it really kind of depends on what mood I'm in sometimes, you know, uh, if I'm in a really chill meditative mood, then I, I'm probably going to want to make something more melodic and down tempo. it's going to be really fun to make some really raw, awesome bass lines. Um, it, it just depends on surroundings and 
the emotion of the time. Uh, but, but I try not to fit in a box, really. I don't, I don't like boxes. I like being able to uh, have multiple different genres going on at once. Uh, actually, I have two other side projects at the moment that is, this is an exclusives because no one has even okay. heard this yet. So yeah, be on the lookout for new music from the name Lyra and Druid. I'm making some more rock and metal influence music with my project Druid. It's amazing. I'm pretty sure anyone that likes Perfect Circle or Tool or any of the above are going to love that type of feel. Uh, How do you spell that? Let's spell them both out. Oh, okay. So L-Y-R-A-A is the project Lyra that I'm doing with my wife. Um, We make more M83 experimental type vibes. Like right now we're writing a full length album um, that's about a journey through space from the constellation Lyra to Vega. It's just an entire story of its own. Uh, we're still writing it, doing all the lyrics and plugging in all the stories and everything. Um, so that's a really fun one. I'm pretty sure everybody's going to love that. And then Druid is very rock metal influenced, uh, but also with really heavy dubstep type bass lines mixed in. So it's kind of mixing rock and bass music together. Uh, Also with really dark, intriguing atmospheres and melodies. Um, It's, it's really fun. Yeah. And how do you spell Druid? D-R-U-I-D. Nice. And any rough release? Maybe we could go by year. Um, It'll be within the next year for sure. I've got an EP that's rough uh, with Druid and the full length album with Lyra. Uh, That's going to take a while. But yeah, within the next year, you all should start hearing. So 2021 for sure. Check it out. Yep. Just in case somebody's listening distant future they've time traveled you know it might already be out okay this one's like a hypothetical i'm just curious how you'd answer it you're trapped on an island you got shelter food water and speakers you got <laughs> three albums that you can take with you which three albums would you take oh man uh well if you're stuck on an island probably gonna be pretty pissed at sometimes so you're gonna want some like bomb the block vibes from bass nectar uh so Let's go with, uh, I don't remember the name of that Boards of Canada album. Um, it's all good. One of theirs. Yeah, one, one of theirs, right? All Any right. of those would be fitting. Uh, and then let's go with some, uh, let's go with 10,000 Days by Tool. That's, that's pretty fitting, I think. Nice. Yeah. So all right, boards, now, of, boards of Canada, Bass Nectar, and some Tool. Nice. <laughs> All right, you get three musical tools. And remember, you already have speakers. What are you going to bring? Uh, I would for sure bring my trumpet. That's probably one of the best ways I can musically express myself. Vocals, that's always a good one that, you know, you don't require anything for as long as you've got a microphone. So trumpet, mic. Trumpet, mic. I guess there would be no way to charge a laptop, so that's a no-go. Uh, well, uh, maybe there's solar panel or something. Yeah, but all right. You got, okay. you got to record it somehow, so <laughs> I, I think the laptop's got to make the cut. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's go with the laptop as the third right. one. Yeah. 
Nice. Cool. Uh, so what tips would you give to a younger musician starting out today? Oh, tips. Don't get discouraged. Um, you're going to meet a lot of haters and that's okay because that helps you grow. Um, always keep moving forward. Stay true to yourself. Practice your instruments whenever you can. And just always keep in mind that it's normal to be rejected dozens and dozens of times before you're going to get that accepted feeling, you know, um, there's, there's lots and lots of times I can remember those scenarios. I don't know how many times you submit and it's like, Oh, I've submitted over a hundred places and you only get one positive response, you know, just hang in there, stay true to yourself and do the best you can. Um, and always keep building that email list. Just make as many contacts and connections as you can. Go to as many local live shows and help support that as you can as well, because that's really important and key. And um, your local community is very important. So focus on that and that's, that's a pretty good start. And, and what makes you excited to get out of bed on a music day? Just music in general. Uh, music is exciting no matter what happens um i mean music has been shown to literally physically change the body so uh it's always interesting let me see if i can find this here auditory stimulation activates the brain areas that associate with emotional processing and higher cognitive function so if you literally play a note it's going to change the structure of your brain and how you're thinking at the moment so um just getting out of bed and knowing that you're going to play some notes is exciting to me nice and and do you aim for a particular result when you're creating like um do you aim to alleviate a mood or change your mind in some way or another sometimes you'll have a mood in mind and then halfway through the track, you've already expressed yourself and you end up changing the vibe. So um, yeah, that, that changes. But um, you try to stay true to that. It's very important part of the process for me anyway, the emotional part. Uh, so yeah, um, that has a lot to do with it. If you were a tree, would you be deciduous or coniferous? So deciduous, you lose your leaves. Coniferous, coniferous. always green. So, yeah. so you're, you're pretty consistent. Month after month, you're, you're pretty consistent with your creation. I try to be, yeah. Nice. Couple, <laughs> couple last things. What's that? That's, that's just a funny analogy. I've never been asked that before. Coniferous or deciduous? Yeah, well, I've never <laughs> asked it before. Yeah. I've, I've thought about it uh, because I, I do think it kind of has to do with uh, waves of energy as well and productivity. Yeah. So some people are, you know, can bang out three, four tracks in a day uh, or, you know, maybe a couple of weeks go by and they can't get anything done. Um, so. Yep. Obviously, every track kind of comes at a different pace. Yeah. But people's energy. Some some people are pretty consistent, and, and others are very up and down. So that that was my analogy with the tree. I I try to be consistent, but there has been times where, you know, you go months and it's just, you don't have much inspiration, uh, mainly just because you're so drained by reality itself. 
um, life is hard, man. Sometimes it's just difficult to sit down and write something just because there's so much crap going on around you. But um, that also can be an influence in itself. Just pull off of the world around you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so uh, last question is for you. Uh, what are you currently working on? And beyond that, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, right now, I've got over 30 unreleased tracks. So there's lots of things to come in the near future. Uh, I've got a single release called Dharma coming out with Abandoned Building Records. That should be out next month. I think the 22nd is what we planned on. Uh, so keep your eyes open for that. And then there should be a full-length album coming again within the next year from Bioluminescent. And then also there is the other full-length album from Lyra that's going to drop at some point and the EP over at Druid. Uh, so lots and lots of things going on. Uh, just keep your ears on all of my pages. You can find me on soundcloud.com, uh, bioluminescent music. I'm on all of the socials, Facebook, Insta, you know, all the above there. Yeah. Lots to come. Bioluminescentmusic.com or yeah, I've got over 70 tracks on SoundCloud at the moment. So that's a good place to go check out things as well. Nice. Great. Uh, well, if there's uh, nothing else, then uh, we can call it a day. Man, I really appreciate you. Thank you very much for all that you do. Uh, thank you to all of the listeners. Like I said, it can't be done without you. It's absolutely essential. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Frio Music Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, consider donating to our patron program. You can learn more about our patron program at friomusic.com forward slash support. Even $1 a month can help us pay the bills and create more quality content for you. If you enjoyed what you heard or gained any tiny nuggets of wisdom from the show, please leave a comment and rating on your preferred podcast platform. Please take a minute to rate the podcast now. Your ratings really do make a huge impact on search results and can help other people find the show and the music that we feature. If you really love the podcast and don't want to miss an episode, you can subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released by visiting freomusic.com forward slash P. Or if you really want to type it all out, freomusic.com forward slash podcast. That's F-R-E-I-O-M-U-S-I-C dot com forward slash p if you know somebody who might enjoy the content of this podcast please share it with them your contributions and support make this podcast possible until next time stay tuned
stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.